हॅलो एव्हरीवन आय दीपाली राईलकर वेलकम यू ऑल फॉर टुडेज सेशन ऑर्गनाइज्ड बाय पी एम आय पुणे डेक्कन इंडिया चॅप्टर आय वुड लाईक टू स्टार्ट विथ द कोर्ट ऑन द ओकेजन ऑफ फिफ्टीन्थ ऑगस्ट ट्वेंटी ट्वेंटी मे वी थिंक ऑफ फ्रीडम नॉट ॲज द राईट टू डू ॲज वी प्लीज बट ॲज द अपॉर्च्युनिटी टू डू वॉट इज राईट विथ दिस मोटो वी ऑलवेज ट्राईज टू कनेक्ट टू द स्टुडंट्स हु आर बिल्डिंग ब्लॉक्स ऑफ नेशन विथ ऑल पॉसिबल वेज वी हॅव कम अप विथ द वेबिनार सिरीज ऑन इंडस्ट्री इंटलेक्ट एक्सक्लुसिव्हली फॉर द स्टुडंट्स विथ एट डिफरंट इंडस्ट्रीज अंडर अकॅडमिक आउटरीच प्रोग्रॅम टुडे वी आर कवरिंग टॉपिक ऑन बँकिंग फायनान्स सर्व्हिसेस अँड इन्शुरन्स मुव्हिंग अहेड This is our today's agenda. Introduction to PMI Pune Deccan India chapter. Introduction to today's speaker. Session on banking finance services and insurance. QA session and vote of thanks. Now I request Mr. Sham Bhavsar, President PMI Pune Deccan India chapter to inaugurate the webinar series. Over to you sir. PMI Pune chapter is run by the volunteer. is a volunteer run organization all we are volunteer the services we are little different than the what you can see uh, any other organization we do a lot many innovative program and i should thanks our vidya dipali dinesh all our core volunteers to come up with this uh, a great idea of collaborating with the academic on a different form a different for different uh, topics i hope all of you will like this particular idea we are here to support you to go through the different different uh, type of topics in our next 10 to 12 different type of webinars i hope all of all of you will enjoy this particular session i should thanks our great great volunteer mr rahul sudame to accept this today's or today's topic and i know you will be enjoying you will be really will care, you will be running take through the lot of his experience on the banking sector Thank you. Thank you all of you people. Deepali, over to you, Mike. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Now, I would like to introduce our today's speaker, Mr. Rahul Sudame. He is delivery partner and heads insurance vertical of Persistence Systems. He has more than 20 years of experience in project program management. and leading multiple delivery teams handling digital transformation projects involving ai and ml now i hand over the session to mr rahul it is a great pleasure uh, to be here and sharing my experiences with all of you so we'll be sharing uh, the uh, the experiences the uh, inputs on the banking and financial services sector uh, sector uh, it's a large and a vast uh, sector actually uh you know we are talking about uh, an ocean here and that's exactly what we are uh, we would be trying to attempt we would be trying to uh, discuss in today's session in the meanwhile the whole objective of this session uh, is to introduce you to business domains uh, so that we all understand different uh, industries because you will be joining different industry segments you will be joining different uh organizations and working in different uh, 
areas, it is important that you actually start building the understanding now itself. If you can understand, if you can show, demonstrate the understanding of different industry verticals, that will directly contribute uh, to the uh, to the joining, and then you will actually be able to contribute meaningfully to the organization. So that is what we would be talking about the banking, financial services, and the insurance sector. Uh, we will first talk about the uh, the entire financial system. A financial system, when we use the word, it's basically an institutional framework that exists in any country, uh, which is primarily intended for different kind of financial transactions. It constitutes of different things. Uh, it basically constitutes different financial institutions like banks, mutual funds, insurance organizations, uh, NBFCs. Uh, we'll talk about some of these as we go further in our session. Uh, we also basically talk about financial assets when we talk about financial system, and it involves loans, deposits, bonds, equities. Uh, it also involves insurance I and mean, financial markets, which involves money market, capital market, forex market, and we'll try to understand a little bit of them as we move forward. Uh, so when we talk about banking, financial services, and insurance, uh, some of us know some of it because we all. Uh, deposit money to the bank, we withdraw money from the bank, we use credit card, debit card. Uh, so we are all uh, familiar with uh, some of the elements. Uh, your parents, your relatives might have taken the loans, and, and there are various other terms that we keep hearing uh, through news channel and different areas. Uh, but I think it is a very intense uh, sector, and each of these areas that you see here are an industry on its own. So we, uh, we are talking about a very large segment. We're trying to get a glimpse of it today so that we understand the breadth and the depth involved in this entire BFSI sector so that you will get a good idea and then you can decide if you are interested in a particular uh, industry vertical and know about it further, research about it further. Uh, the whole system is also regulated. There are uh, some government appointed bodies which regulate this sector. Uh, RBI is something you might be hearing uh, now and then. So RBI regulates the banking sector, uh, SEBI governments, the trading sector, and IRDA, Insurance Regulatory Development Authority, then uh, covers the insurance sector. So these regulators are basically there to make sure that uh, the consumers like you and me are protected and our uh, money that we are actually investing in these different organizations is not impacted. So that is why they come up with uh, different regulations. As we go along, uh, if you have any questions or if you would like to have any inputs, feel free to uh, put that in the chat panel and we'll definitely cover some of those in the uh, second part of the session. When we talk about financial markets, uh, we typically refer to money market or capital market. Money market basically is for short-term funds, uh, which is less than a year. Uh, so we're trying to generate funds for less than a year and we want a predictable um, output there. So basically, then we can go to banks, which is more an organized sector, or we can go to unorganized sector, which is there are uh, money lenders, there are chit funds. Uh, the assets might be safe in, the, in comparison to capital market here, but the returns are less. So that's basically uh, the money market, which is focused on the short-term 
uh, area less than a year. And then we talk about capital market, which is actually for long term funds, um, which involves primary market and secondary market. Primary market means the place where the securities are generated. So basically, when you hear that so and so company is launching a new IPO, uh, they are coming up with a new IPO, we are talking about a primary market. And when we hear that we are doing the day to day trading, that's a secondary market. Someone purchased stocks, someone sold stocks, uh, then we are actually referring as a secondary market. We also have primary issues uh, market, which takes care of um, there are rights issues that are given to the current stakeholders. Um, and then when we talk about stock market, we are actually also referring to uh, the organizations trying to generate money, trying to raise money by launching the initial public offer. Through that, uh, we all can actually purchase shares, which means we also become uh, partly the owner of the organization. We invest our money into it, and we also hope that the organization grows, and thereby we also will get the returns. We will also get the benefits out of it. After the IPOs are launched, the initial IPOs are there. If the organization wants to raise some more funds, then they can uh, go for a follow-on public offer called an FPO. Like recently, one of the organization um, launched uh, the FPO, Yes Bank, and there are a lot of other organizations which keep coming up with the IPO, which is for the new uh, shares that we can purchase. Uh, we also have a bonds market where I don't want to have the volatility. I want my money to be safe so I can actually uh, purchase different bonds, which means I will keep the money for a defined duration. I will not withdraw it in between. And for that duration, I will then get some returns. I'll get some interest. So that is basically a debt where I, my money is safe. I'm not uh, playing with it like stocks where the value can go up and down every day. It doesn't change. It's not that volatile. Uh, so this is a high risk, but high returns market. So that is how we talk about money market and the capital market. Uh, when we talk about banking systems, uh, you know, banks basically are some, sometimes referred as intermediaries. What does that mean? Uh, that means that they are taking money from people who have capital or money and they give it to the people who need money, which means uh, all of you or your parents or relatives might have put some money in the bank in the form of fixed deposit or uh, savings account or current account. Now, what bank would do is they are having that money with them. They will make that money available to the people who want loan. So then we can actually take different kind of loan, loan for uh, personal activities, for vehicle, for a new house, for a business. Uh, so I can have n number of different loans that I can get. And when I get a loan from the bank, then that's where bank actually makes money. Where I have taken a loan of 1 lakh, when I pay the loan in smaller in, uh, installments, I might actually, after 15 years, be paying 1 lakh 25,000. So then 25,000 is the, is the benefit that a bank makes, and that helps the bank system running. So that's basically uh, an input regarding the banking system. Uh, the Indian banking system has its own structure and it is classified into different uh, sections, segments, sub segments. 
Uh, we all uh, refer to RBI, Reserve Bank of India. That is an apex bank, so that's a, a primary bank which basically takes care of uh, the regulations, the guidelines. Uh, it actually uh, does a lot of audits. It makes sure that uh, the banks are operating in the correct way. And at any point, it sees that uh, banks are not operating in the best uh, possible or efficient way. There is a possibility where things can go bad, things can go wrong. The bank may not be able to uh, function properly. Then RBI will also uh, take actions. And something that we keep hearing in the news as well, right? That bank uh, RBI has taken action against some banks, or they have uh, put some uh, regulators working on it, or taking control of it for a period, um, things like that. Banks typically are classified as scheduled banks and non-scheduled banks. So when we refer as scheduled banks, they're basically called as they are under the second schedule of RBI Act, which means all the rules and regulations of RBI are applicable to them. Non-scheduled banks are basically uh, not governed by RBI. They have some guidelines, but they are not strictly governed by RBI in that sense. Uh, then when we talk about uh, the, uh, the commercial bank uh, and the cooperative banks, you would have heard there are different cooperative banks that are created, or um, in another case, we call them as credit unions. They are created by a group of people. Uh, it could be urban uh, cooperative banks or state cooperative banks. And people come together for a specific area, specific uh, group. For example, people having Sahakari Sakhar Karkhana. Now they might have a cooperative bank for their own. So that they are very specific focus for that group could be at an urban level or at a state level. And the other banks are commercial banks. Uh, so basically, uh, there are many banks which are public sector banks. And when we typically refer to banks such as SBI or uh, HDFC or ICICI, uh, we're typically referring as public sector banks, uh, which are commercial banks. Uh, there could be there are private sector banks as well. Um, I mean, some of the banks are uh, public sector and government-owned nationalized banks. Some of them are private sector banks. Uh, there are foreign banks uh, that operate uh, in India, and then uh, there are regional uh, rural banks. So when we talk about a bank, it's not just one category of bank, right? It has a basically a layer of banks. It has a structure of banks, and it is a very comprehensive and extensive structure into itself. Uh, going further and uh, extending that same analogy, uh, there are different types of banks. Uh, there are some banks which operate as retail banks, which means they are working with individuals, people like you and me, or they can be working with small businesses. So when we go and deposit money, we are an individual working with a retail bank, right? Uh, then there could be commercial banks. Commercial banks work with large business entities, large business organizations, uh, and then the commercial activities could be very large scale operations. When someone is actually doing a, a, a sending a very large uh, trade, that is happening between two countries, there's a lot of commercial activities that are involved there. Uh, the next set or category is investment banking, uh, which is basically it helps people uh, in the financial market space. And we'll talk about that um, in a little while. 
there are private banks uh, which actually provide wealth management services to high network individuals. HNI is high network individuals, which are rich people or rich families. Uh, they need help from the bank to manage their wealth. And those kind of services are provided by private banks. And there are also community banks, which are locally operated. They serve um, people. Some of them, let's say, are for farmers. Some of them are for a specific region. Some of them could be for a specific sector or even religion. So there are different community banks uh, that operate as well. So the focus of a bank or the primary area in which a bank works could be retail bank, could be a commercial investment banking, it could be a private bank, or it could be a community uh, bank. So it basically then gets further segregated into what kind of areas they work on, what kind of services that they provide, uh, and what kind of things we can expect from that bank. Uh, so these are some of the public sector banks that we have, uh, as you would remember or recognize some of them, the State Bank, uh, Bank of India, Allahabad Bank, or Bank of Maharashtra. These are all public sector banks. Uh, uh, these are actually governed by the government entities. So it's in the public sector banks. Uh, we also have a large number of banks which are private sector banks, uh, like the HDFC, ICICI, Access, Yes, uh, many of those are private sector banks. They are run independently. They are run as a separate unit, uh, but they actually still follow uh, the guidelines of RBI. They are under the RBI umbrella, but they have to make sure that they are following all the, uh, the guidelines, the best practices, uh, the rules and regulations that are defined from time to time. The next thing that we talk about uh, is the investment banking. So like we said, investment banking actually uh, helps in some specialized activities. And what are those specialized activities? Uh, there are actually uh, institutions, uh, as you see on the orange side and the buy side, uh, there are investors who are available to make, uh, make money available. They can actually provide money. Okay, They can lend money. And there are corporates who want this money. Now, for these two uh, institutes, where institutes who are investing money and the corporates who want money, the investment bank supports both of them. Okay, so they work actually uh, to make sure that the money is made available to corporates. But for doing that, there could be a lot of different activities that need to be done. So the some of the activities are merger and acquisition. So company A is selling company uh, uh, his company and another company wants to buy that company. So then there is a merger and acquisition involved. In this case, the investment banks will help the entire uh, gamut of things. So it represents the companies uh, that are there for sell. It also represents companies that are buying the other companies. Okay, it also provides some other way, uh, the financing in the form of debt or equity. So it does the underwriting in that case. And there are uh, such banks basically, which are Credit Suisse securities, uh, HSBC securities and capital markets. So they are there to help on the merger and acquisition activities, uh, foreign exchange activities. They can help you in the strategy for uh, the entire m &A activities. So those are the kind of specialized operations, specialized benefits um, that these banks uh, provide. 
and that is why this area is called as investment bank. Okay, apart from the banks, which we are aware of, where we uh, deposit money, withdraw money, we use credit cards, we make credit card payments, uh, we work with the banks, right, in uh, by and large in those cases, or we take loan uh, from a bank. So those, those are the banks that we're talking about, commercial banks, uh, scheduled, non-scheduled, um, or it could be public sector, private sector banks. Apart from the banks, we also work with uh, non-banking financial companies. They are called as NBFC. So what are these non-banking financial uh, companies? They are basically providing some banking services, which means they actually do lending, which means they provide loans, uh, they make money available to people. They also provide some sort of financial services, but they do not have a banking license. They cannot call them uh, uh, themselves as a bank. Okay, for example, if you would have heard of uh, DHFL, um, there is Reliance Capital, LIC has LIC Housing and Finance Limited, Muthut Finance, uh, Shriram Vehicle Finance, Adani Capital, uh, India Bulls Housing Finance. All of these basically are the NBFCs in India. Okay. Uh, so they are providing, uh, they can do lending, they are providing some other uh, financial services, but they are not registered banks. Uh, so they cannot accept demand uh, drafts or deposits. You cannot uh, put money in them uh, just as demand deposits. You cannot um, issue credit card or debit card. Okay, so if you, let's say, go to uh, uh, LNT Finance, you cannot actually get a credit card or a debit card from them. That is something you can get from a bank, which could be HDFC, ICICI, or others. Uh, they are also not part of the payment and the settlement system. So you know there is a whole payment and settlement system. When we deposit a check, the money is made available to the other party. There is a whole settlement happening. When we are doing foreign exchange transactions, there is a settlement happening. When we are uh, doing uh, the trade, which is, or we are doing uh, the, uh, the stock purchase, stock sell, there's a lot of settlement happening. That is not something that is undertaken by, supported by uh, the NBFCs. And there are some additional things that they can and cannot do. So they cannot indulge into uh, the, uh, primarily into agriculture activities, industrial activities, uh, sale, purchase, or construction of immovable property, things like that. So there are certain limitations that they are, uh, there are there, uh, but they can still do certain operations which are parallel or similar to banking, uh, which is lending and other financial services. So basically, what are we uh, understanding here today, or what are we learning here today? What we are learning here is when we say BFSI as a sector, or if your college uh, gets a company which let's say is that we are looking for team members to join us for BFSI, uh, we need to first understand what BFSI means, what banking means, what financial services means, and what insurance means. Uh, and having some of these concepts, terms, uh, awareness of that can certainly help. Uh, and it also is important to understand it's a significantly large area that we're talking about it includes uh, banks, it includes NBFCs, it includes uh, the entire foreign exchange transactions, it includes the stock market. Uh, so we're talking about uh, a significantly large financial ecosystem 
that is supporting the entire financial transactions that are happening uh, in the country. And each of these areas are verticals on their own. Each of these areas are uh, exclusive segments on their own. So if you really join uh, a particular organization and BFSI unit, you might be actually working for very specific subunit into that. It could be, let's say, credit card. It could be investment banking. It could be retail banking. So that you might actually be getting allocated to one of those projects, which can be subunits uh, within the BFSI segment. But understanding the concepts would definitely help you because when you are talking with uh, some of the organizations, uh, and if you are having a basic understanding, then they will also be happy because they don't have to start from scratch. Uh, they can expect certain basic understanding and then take things forward. Now, uh, there are a lot of things happening in the whole banking industry. There are a lot of trends uh, that are there in the banking industry. And the reason why we are discussing them today is because each of these trends is where you are going to be working if you actually join any organization in, in BFSI. So these are the kind of activities you would be doing if you are part of an organization and a BFSI unit of that organization. So what are the trends? What are the things happening in the banking uh, industry? There's a significant amount of business change or business transformation happening. Now, what, what do we mean by that? The first one is the organizations are optimizing all their operations activities in COVID times. Because, uh, you know, five months back, we would have gone to a bank and there were, uh, you know, 30 people, 50 people in the bank. We wouldn't have felt odd. You know, we would have just uh, stand in a queue or we would have waited for a turn or get a token and then deposit money or get uh, money or get a loan or whatever we want to do. But in the last five months, all these things have stopped. Now, very less number of times or some people haven't even visited uh, the banks in person for months. Because there's no need, a lot of those uh, operations can be done online. And there is a risk of uh, COVID and other things as well. And that is where the banks also need to change their operations. The way they operate, the way they uh, create new accounts, the way they attract people to interact with them, they are also changing. And they are changing very rapidly. Uh, because they are now uh, able to give you the... Uh, the mobile app, the online accounts, the SMS, the phone banking, through which you can continue your operations without visiting a bank. And that involves significant amount of backend activities, uh, technology activities, and that's where many of us uh, are involved. Uh, another thing that's happening is there are very stringent regulations. Uh, you might have seen that there are some banks uh, could not function properly. Some of them became a bankrupt or some of them were put under the RBI regulations. Uh, so because of those experiences, uh, there are a lot of regulations coming in. And each of these regulations, again, result into a lot of new implementation, change in processes, change in softwares, change in uh, the way the data is uh, processed in the systems. So all of these directly translate into additional activities and for which uh, the team members contribute and support the bank. There are a lot of fintech companies coming in or there are a lot of partnership with fintech companies are coming in. Now, what is a fintech? Uh, fintech basically is a company which is a technology company, but which is providing some of the financial services transactions. 
So for example, in your mobile app also, you might have a lot of these uh, mobile apps installed like uh, Paytm, like Beam, like uh, the um, like Google Pay, and then many of these through which you can quickly, you know, send money to someone else, get money from someone, do some of the activities quickly. And they are doing only that one specific thing, only one specific operation, but they are doing it really well and in lesser cost. So that is why they get popularity. And then the banks have to work with them. Banks have to partner with them. So there's a lot of change happening in the way uh, these different business transformations are happening. Apart from this, there's a significantly large number of digital transformation is happening as well, uh, which means now the banks have to work remotely. Uh, they also want to work because the bank staff would also prefer to come to office um, as less as possible and do activities remotely. So then the systems need to be prepared for that. If we want some of the standard activities to be taken care in automated way, then for that we use something called as robotics process automation, uh, which means we can have the bots like chatbots and other things where we can just go to a chatbot and a website of a bank and get some of the details. I don't have to wait for next day um, and go to a bank's office and then get that query clarified. I can very well just do it using a chatbot on any bank. Then there are a lot of artificial intelligence and cognitive opportunities uh, coming up, uh, which means when I'm doing certain activities, uh, the artificial intelligence, machine learning, cognitive opportunities are leveraged, which means when I'm talking with a chatbot, the chatbot is understanding what I'm saying, what is the meaning of my language, and then it is trying to give answer to us. So this is also one of the examples. Uh, we earlier used to fill a lot of forms. Uh, now what banks are doing is they are taking these forms, scanning these forms and extracting the content of that and putting in the database so that it can be searched, it can be processed, a lot of things can be done. There is also a lot of work happening in an area called as blockchain and it is supported by distributed ledger technology. And what does this mean? It means basically when there are multiple parties involved, so four, five, six parties are involved in completing one transaction. Um, then how do we make sure that all these different parties are doing their activity properly and the entire transaction can be done in a seamless way without anyone modifying the data, without anyone uh, fudging the data and things like that. So for example, if someone is sending a, uh, a huge uh, container containing some uh, uh, products to be sold, from let's say India to US, then a whole trade of our finance is involved here because the company will have to first basically have that all items marked as something that it is selling, it needs to be shipped, it will go to uh, a cargo, from there it will be physically uh, taken to the other country, then it will be downloaded, everywhere the taxes will be paid and things like that. So a lot of activities are involved, a lot of parties are involved. And that's where uh, technologies like blockchain are being um, regularly explored by all the banking uh, organizations. Then there is an experience transformation as well. You know, people want the banks to be made available to them 24 by seven. They don't want to go stand in a queue. And that is where you will see there are some banks who are digital only blank, which means they do not have a physical branch at all. You cannot go to any branch of that bank 
and get your uh, uh, passbook printed. They will just say, oh, we are only digital. Uh, you can go to our mobile app and see your passbook there. There are telebanking where you can call a phone and uh, get the details. Uh, you can get enhanced activities through your mobile phone. Uh, so a lot of these experience changes are happening as well. And if you see the payment methods, they have changed significantly in the last many years. Um, now we can make the payment through uh, the debit card, the credit card, the rupee. Um, I can use UPI, Beam. I can use digital wallets. I can use uh, Paytm. I can use Google Pay. Uh, so many different options are available, and that has changed the payment experience. Nowadays, you might have seen even the person selling vegetables, even the person selling groceries, they would say, "Oh, sir, Google Pay kar do na." So even they are now getting connected with it. They are now uh, acquainted with it, and it's changing the way the financial transactions are done. So the reason why we are understanding this is all these areas is where you will get involved uh, when you're part of these BFSI organizations. And that's where we wanted to uh, give you uh, the glimpse, the update on what is happening. So, so far we have discussed about the banking and the financial services part. Now we'll talk about uh, the insurance part of it. So what is an insurance? Uh, and again, since we have covered banking and financial services, if you have any inputs, queries, uh, feel free to post them. Uh, insurance basically is a mechanism where we do a risk transfer. What do we mean by that? Uh, you know, why do we take insurance? Because if there is some event that happens and because of which there is a risk for me, I would like my risk to be reduced, which means I have a car, I have a bike. And if that bike actually gets uh, damaged due to some accident, if I have an insurance of my bike, the insurance company will give me that amount back. So I can restore, I can get uh, that bike repaired or fixed. Uh, similarly, if a person has some accident, if he has an insurance, he can get that covered. If he gets some health issues, including COVID-like scenarios, then the insurance then can take care of the medical expenses. So that is where uh, it's basically a contract between two parties, insurer, which is an insurance company, and insured, which means the person who gets a policy, which is a contract from the insurance company, which says that you keep paying me premium, and if the risk happens, if let's say your car is damaged, house is damaged, or a vehicle is damaged, then I will make you this much payment that I'm guaranteeing you. So that is a contract between two parties. How does this work? Uh, so it's basically, um, you know, it's a uh, person who is purchasing an insurance. He gets a guarantee uh, where he is making a payment, uh, which is premium. And he gets that uh, guarantee from the insurer that I will be compensated if there is some financial loss that is happening. Okay, so there is insurer uh, who is selling the insurance policy, insured who is purchasing the insurance policy, and the insured is paying a premium to the insurer. So that is what uh, we're uh, talking about in the insurance context. Now, what are the different uh, rules that are available? Uh, what are the different groups that play in the whole insurance uh, system? Uh, government, which actually again uh, plays a role in the insurance uh, sector. Uh, regulatory authorities like IRDA plays uh, a major regulator role. We have intermediaries, 
which means there are agents. You would have seen there are some people, let's say someone is an LIC agent, uh, he would call maybe your parents and say that, hey, you know, sir, would you like to have a life insurance? Uh, so they are the agents who are trying to uh, sell the policies. There could be brokers who can work on behalf of the uh, insurance companies and help you get those policies, uh, get those uh, issued. And there are third party administrators, which means if there is a claim uh, that is raised, a car is damaged and it needs to be fixed. The third party administrators can help in getting the damages uh, fixed or recovered or the payment done, things like that. Uh, we have the insurers uh, and we have the government um, or public sector insurers like LIC or we have the insurance companies like HDFC Life uh, and others or ICICI Prudential um, and others. Um, and there are different professionals who are involved in this entire insurance space. Uh, there are people who are called as loss adjusters, which means they check how much loss has happened. If someone says my car is damaged or uh, bike is damaged, how much of a loss has happened? What is the value of that loss? Uh, there are people who are trying to do risk control. There are people who are called as actuaries, which means they help in making sure that the insurance company is defining right premiums. They are doing a lot of financial uh, calculations, statistics, and giving directions on what should be the right uh, premium. Should we take large um, insurances? And in that case, do we see any risk? Things like that. And there are some special investigators as well. If they see a fraud happening anywhere, then they can get into act and then they can try to uh, do additional investigation. So these are different uh, groups, roles uh, that get involved in the insurance space. Now, when we talk about insurance, there are different types of insurances. Uh, the first one is health insurance or a life insurance. Life insurance means if someone has taken a life insurance policy, let's say from LIC, that person passed away, um, then after the death of the person, the amount would be given uh, to his family. Okay, so that is uh, the life insurance. Health insurance is basically if someone getting sickness or injury, uh, that would be covered. Um, there could be a disability cover, which means someone was working in an office and he got a fracture um, and now he's not able to work. So for that specific period, uh, he will be compensated so that uh, he's able to recover. There are ways uh, in which these uh, insurance products or insurance policies can be taken in combination, where I would say that I want to uh, get a life insurance, but I would like to have a coverage of my car as well, or I would like to have a life insurance, but I would also like to invest some more amount and I would like to get some amount at the time of retirement, things like that. And there is a general insurance, uh, which will basically cover um, other than life and health, which it can cover the property insurance, um, uh, the damage against fire, against burglary, against theft, uh, it can cover the auto insurance um, and it can even have the marine insurance, travel insurance and many different types of it. Uh, there are some specialty insurances as well, uh, where if I want to cover uh, some of the specific financial assets and I want to cover my money. Um, so in that case, basically there are, I would get some surety bonds, uh, which will help me protect my money. 
and in some cases even uh, expand or uh, extend. There are some specialty insurances as well. Uh, we're also talking about reinsurance. Now, what is a reinsurance? Let's say uh, there are uh, lakhs and crores of uh, population in India, right? Now, all of these uh, population has taken insurance and let's say there are um, whatever 20 uh, lakh people, let's say currently they had the COVID uh, scenario, right? And if all of them file the insurance claim at a single time, at one time, what will happen to that insurance company? If it has to uh, pay that entire amount, that insurance company will become bankrupt. And that is where uh, there is a concept called as reinsurance, which is also referred as insurance of insurance, which means the insurance company will say that I am giving out policies of let's say 1 lakh crore. So I would also take a reinsurance of 50 lakh crore uh, or basically uh, in proportion to that. So that, you know, if there is a risk, uh, then that is where I can make sure um, my losses are covered and the insurance company is in safe hands. Uh, what are the different insurance companies that we have? You would see that there are a lot of life insurance uh, companies in India, and you would be familiar with some of those. Uh, there are a lot of uh, general insurance companies that we see. There are a lot of companies who are specialized into health insurance. And these are again the insurance companies having a lot of IT operations done. So there are a lot of uh, job opportunities uh, in the insurance companies directly or the IT companies who are supporting these insurance companies. Okay, so there is a whole business model for this insurance, uh, you know, from a product management, which means an insurance company decides that I would like to have a new product. Let's say a Corona Kavach is a new product. Now for that product, it needs to be defined. It needs to be marketed. Uh, there needs to be sales and distribution. It needs to reach to us. Uh, then we will give the policies, issue policies to people. Uh, if people purchase it and then they raise claims, uh, we have to handle those claims. And we have also want to provide the uh, customer services. So that's something uh, we want to uh, provide. So those are the, that's a whole model of insurance. Like in the banking sector, let's look at the trends in insurance uh, industry in India. Um, there is a lot of, again, business transformation happening in insurance space. There are a lot of web aggregators. Um, you would have heard something called as policy bazaar, or you would have seen advertisements for that. So what do they say? That you come to my site and try to search for an insurance. We'll get you an insurance either from LIC or from HDFC Life or from ICSA Prudential. You don't worry about that. I'll show you all of that at one place. So they will be called as aggregators. There are a lot of product illustrations happening, uh, which means people are saying that I want a policy, but I want for 10 years, but I can pay only uh, 2000 rupees per month. Um, what kind of coverage I can get? So all these permutation combinations can be handled. A uh, lot of uh, people want to do touchless underwriting and touchless claims. They don't want to go to insurance companies. They would like it to be done online. And it's also driving a lot of digital transformation. So automated processes, paperless policy issuance, use of cloud data analytics, uh, software as a service, business process management. All of these things are directly contributing to digital transformation in the insurance space. And there is a user experience transformation as well. 
where I can pay insurance pay premium online. I don't need to go to insurance company. I can compare the insurance products of different insurance companies now. I can get e-insurance, which means I can keep all my policies in uh, in a government-supported place uh, on cloud where all my policies can be there and I don't have to uh, worry about the hard copy maintenance and things like that. And these are the kind of things that directly would contribute to uh, different work items. Now, what are the different career opportunities for all of you in BFSI? Uh, multiple of them, significantly multiple of the opportunities are available. Um, you can actually, uh, if you're interested in the functional side of BFSI, then you can be trade finance specialist, uh, credit or risks analyst, wealth management expert, where you can help people understand or manage their wealth. Uh, again, on the domain side, uh, some people can be cybersecurity expert, credit analyst. Uh, some people can go into insurance space and be, become insurance specialist. Uh, some of them can uh, might have an interest in the stock market space. So there is a lot of opportunities in that area. Or some of them are interested in the technical side, on the IT side. Then there is a significant demand uh, in BFSI sector for uh, a lot of these roles. Uh, data scientists, people who can process data, understand and uh, give inputs, insights, uh, programmers, RPA programmers who can create um, the uh, bots very quickly, uh, blockchain architects. And apart from that, some of the standard skills like uh, the .NET, Java, testing, uh, all of database, all of those are also uh, relevant. Uh, but I think if you can align yourself and understand it from the domain perspective, it can even uh, help you in your career. And what are pros and cons of uh, having a career in BFSI? So there are some of the pros uh, because BFSI sector is all about money. So you're having rupees coming in, rupees going out. So it's all about money. Uh, you get to do deals. Uh, you, you, are, you will be able to sell more, you will be able to generate more revenue. You will be able to uh, make your organization profitable. Uh, it's a very fast-paced or the environment or intellectually driven environment. Uh, they're not just laborious activities. There are a lot of intellectual activities that need to happen here. Uh, you also might get into based on your role to meet the people involved into financial transactions, which is CEOs, CFOs, or executives. And it's a job safety to some extent because banking, financial services, and insurance sector is never going to die. It will always be there forever. It will continue to be there as long as money is there. So it's just going to stay there. Uh, and in many organizations, BFSI is a very large unit uh, because of the sheer volume of transactions uh, involved there. What are some of the cons and challenges you should be aware of? Uh, being in the BFSI sector, you should be mentally and physically prepared to put a lot of hours and hours and hours. Because if you are working in a bank and uh, when you are doing a month end activities, and if that needs to be completed on 31st of March, it has to happen on 31st of March, which means if you have to stay in the office till 11 p.m., 11.30 p.m., might have to be ready for that. Sometimes work can be monotonous because you are having uh, every day similar problems are coming, but with from different people, from different users. Uh, it is also directly connected to the economy. So if the economy is going down, PFSI sector will directly have an impact of that. 
and it's a continuously evolving sector. So for example, if you are making a payment to someone in cash in six months back, now you're not doing that. Now you're using payment methods. You're using online transfer and uh, UPI and Google Pay and all that. And maybe now it's Google Pay. After two months, it could be something else. It's changing very rapidly. You need to be prepared for that. And what next? You know, uh, you've heard of this. Uh, this. These are the things that are involved in the BFSI. What can you do to basically get into BFSI? What can you do to increase your opportunities to get into the BFSI uh, domain vertical organization as your uh, preferred career choice? Uh, multiple things. First, you need to enhance your soft skills. Uh, it involves people skills. You will be meeting, interacting with a lot of people, the communication part, uh, analytical skills, uh, able to be creative and figure out solutions, able to and ready to spend hours and take the required efforts. Uh, you also can differentiate yourself. And if any one of you are in a stage where you need to decide a project, don't just do a technology project or don't just do a fancy project. Try to choose a project that is relevant for the industry that you would like to target. I'd like to give you an example. I actually, when I did my master's in computer science, I chose a, a bank, uh, a banking system uh, development project. And when I developed that banking system project and presented in a software exhibition, I not only got my first job offer, uh, but I also was approached by a lot of banks to see that, hey, you know the features that you have developed, uh, they are 80% um, there for our requirements. Can you sell us as a, as a product? And this is when I was in a college. This is when I was a student. Um, so if you create those projects the, uh, relevant to, for different domains, that can definitely differentiate yourself because the syllabus and other things would be common for every uh, student uh, in the same college or in the same university. But your projects, your work can differentiate yourself. Similarly, if you can uh, put some more thoughts by writing white papers or articles, uh, conduct some sessions with your peers, uh, you would like to share or present your knowledge. And that's where you can take an advantage of a platform like uh, PMI Pune chapter, where you can come forward and share your experiences or you can learn um, uh, the experiences of your peers and uh, industry professionals. Uh, you also need to build functional knowledge because if you are interested, let's say in BFSI, you will have to read a lot. Tremendous information is available out there in the internet. There are blogs, there are webinars, there are courses, certifications, um, wealth of information is there, but you'll have to put efforts to learn um, and then build. Now, we don't expect everyone to be knowing everything because this is way too big uh, a field. Uh, but our understanding of different terminologies, words, concepts can definitely help you. And uh, you also will have to build a technical knowledge because whether it is a banking institute, NBFCs or insurance companies, all of them are using technology nowadays. So what is RPA? What is AIML? What is analytics? What is blockchain? You should be aware of these concepts. No one would expect you to be expert into all of these areas. But if you're functionally aware, if you're conceptually aware, that will definitely uh, boost you, your chances and your career prospects. So that is what we wanted to discuss uh, in today's session. Um, we would be happy to take any questions or uh, any thoughts, doubts that you might have at this point. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you for the wonderful session. Uh, there are questions like uh, the first question is, 
uh, what are the additional courses we can take for entering BFSI sector? Uh, so basically, there are multiple courses available. Uh, if you um, if you even Google about BFSI Skill India, uh, the government of India itself is actually under the Skill India initiative has taken a BFSI uh, Skill India initiative and there are multiple courses that are available. Courses uh, for people who want to go into banking sector, uh, who want to even in the banking, uh, what kind of work that you would like to do uh, and in for the insurance companies and things like that. Uh, there are multiple certification courses available. Uh, I would not encourage to go for uh, high cost certifications because there are very specialized certifications available for bankers, for insurers, for actuaries, and things like that. Those might be little advanced or very costly as well. Uh, but there are a lot of uh, BFSI-related trainings and even certifications available on uh, Udemy, on uh, LinkedIn, Coursera. Those are the ones you should definitely take an advantage of. And some of these very short introductory courses can give you a short uh, certificate from those uh, learning management uh, tools, which will definitely uh, can boost your chance or help you. You can also post it on your LinkedIn or other forums. Yes, thank you, sir. Uh, the next question is, uh, what is SWAPS? So, uh, see, when we're talking about uh, the, the uh, settlement uh, scenarios, right? Uh, we're actually, there are multiple ways in which settlement can happen. Um, and when we're referring to uh, SWAP, or let's say there is a, um, there's a trade settlement, uh, what happens is, uh, let's say in organization A and organization B, uh, they're trying to do a settlement. There's a SWAP transaction where I will pay you uh, 1,000 rupees, but you have to pay me also uh, 900 rupees. So there is a delta of uh, 100. So there is a, this is a, there's a netting transaction. So you will see some of these uh, transactions where there's a, uh, uh, a foreign exchange or the settlement part is being done and the netting activities are involved. Thank you, sir. Uh, the next question, do engineers have any scope of career in this field? Oh, absolutely. I think engineers definitely have a scope and all the organizations, including mine, uh, will look for people um, and engineers, uh, primarily because, like I said, uh, some of the skills are properly developed uh, whether it is analytical mindset, whether it is able to understand or learn new technology quickly, uh, apply that in the right sense, uh, that definitely helps. Uh, my suggestion is don't just limit uh, you to being just an engineer. Uh, try to do few extra things. And like I said, maybe try to have a project uh, where you're when you're doing a project, just don't do like a library management system or a database management system or things like that. Maybe try to do it something that's a relevant for a particular industry. Let's say if you're interested in BFSI, take some project uh, related to BFSI. And again, that's where, uh, uh, you know, you can get even mentors from a forum like PMI Pune chapter, which can help you. Uh, but for engineers uh, and even people who are doing MBA or other professionals, BFSI is significantly large sector where opportunities are there for everyone. Thank you, sir. The next question. What are the differences between government and private insurances? So, uh, see, actually, when, when the whole uh, insurance environment started, uh, there was only a public sector insurance company like LIC, right? Um, 
Uh, and this is there is a lot of history. At uh, in few years back, um, there was a consolidation of banks, consolidation of insurance agencies, insurance companies, and then um, it was only public sector insurance companies. Over a period of time, uh, government has actually supported the private sector being involved, uh, the uh, investment coming from foreign, and that's where the private sector insurance companies are defined. So, like you see, LIC, Life Insurance Corporation. Uh, is run uh, as a government agency, a government insurance company. There are private uh, insurance companies where if you want to take a life insurance, if you want to take a car insurance, if you want to take uh, health insurance, you can either go to, let's say, the government uh, public uh, insurance companies or private insurance companies. So either they are owned and governed by government regulations or they are owned by private uh, industry bodies. So that is a difference. Now, but there are some common um, guidelines for both of these public or private uh, insurance companies which is governed through IRDA. The last question of the session, Akanksha is asking, uh, she is an MBA student specialized in banking. Can you tell her that what exactly skills required for banking sector? See, uh, like I said, I, you can choose to be either on the functional side or on the technical side. Uh, if you've done MBA, you probably might build your career further on the functional side. And that is where uh, there are wealth of opportunities on the functional side. It could be, so it's not just sometimes when we think of banking, we think that, oh, is the job in the uh, banking functional side just means that I would go and sit on a bank's uh, counter and, you know, give money to someone or che take checks from someone. That's not what it is limited to. It's a significantly wider area. Uh, the career opportunities on the functional side could be uh, you can actually build an interest and expertise into uh, the trade finance side of it. You can actually build it into the retail banking, the commercial banking. Um, you can build your uh, expertise into NBFCs. Uh, so, and it will also depend on what will be the first opportunity or first job opening that you will get, right? Uh, and maybe that is where you will get an experience and build your career on it. But to make a first entry, please make sure that all the uh, theory that you have gone through, the courses that you have gone through in your academics, you are leveraging them and highlighting them when you are talking with your organizations. Don't just rely on to what was covered in your syllabus. Also mention what you have learned by your extra reading, doing sessions like this, and how you have uh, you know, increased your knowledge and experience in the BFSI sector. I am sure that will help you. Uh, in your career career prospectives as well. Yes, thank you, sir. Moving ahead, I would like to thank Mr. Rahul for sharing his valuable knowledge and time with great energy. And surely it will help all the participants to understand the BFSI sector and to get knowledge into that area. Thanks again. Thank you. Yes.